On today's episode of the Last Wire podcast, we're joined with Victor Echo Six Lima Kilo. Welcome to the show, Vince. Hey, thanks very much. Good afternoon. Good evening. Could you share with us how you got involved with amateur radio, and name the club that you belong to? I am uh, an executive member of the Foothills Amateur Radio Society in Southern Alberta. And uh, when I was seven, my dad's cousin, uh, VE3 Alpha November Delta, instilled a love of ham radio in me that uh, took a little while for me to get around and do something with, but here we are. Fantastic. I, I kind of had the same story myself. Uh, I had a, an older gentleman in my youth uh, try to get me involved, and it was years later that I actually got my examination and took the course, but it was his original inspiration and teaching me Morse code what got me uh, engaged and interested in uh, taking the course awesome so in 2013 the town of High River Alberta was evacuated as a result of flooding Highwood River flooding displaced over a hundred thousand people in southern Alberta that week Vince can you share with us your experience with High River floods and the role that amateur radio played in keeping people safe and, and informed in the area yeah you bet uh, John um, in 2013, when the water started coming up, this was no surprise to the residents of High River who've been through many high water events before, as the name of the town might suggest. Uh, the role that amateur radio played in all of that is we were their first line of communication to their town's employees, to emergency services, uh, to the outside world, quite literally, uh, and to provincial government, um, as all of their conventional infrastructure had failed. Uh, it, was a, it was a very uh, dire time for them indeed. Now, can you tell me a little bit how, when you say it failed, did we lose, the water's coming through, it's rising, did they just sort, uh, short circuit all the, the lines and, and the power? Like, what, what actually happened? Uh, the the TELUS infrastructure, so that's our provincial landline provider out here, one of them, uh, formerly Alberta Government Telephone, AGT as we'd know it, uh, it's located about 100 meters away from the normal banks of the Highwood River. And much of the switching infrastructure in that one story above ground building is below ground level. And so as the water came up very unexpectedly and very quickly. Uh, it quickly surrounded that building and seeped its way into the basement and rendered uh, all the landline telephones uh, not usable. In accordance with this, most of the then infrastructure for TELUS Mobility Cellular uh, was also taken out because that switching station at the time was the hub for not only TELUS landline and TELUS mobility, but connectivity via sat phone to the outside world. I find with any disaster in any community, it's the lack of cellular connectivity, the landlines, and then it kind of becomes this uh, no man's land where people can't get information, they get misinformation, and then the ball gets rolling where you can't organize and you can't facilitate the, the services that are needed. Was this what happened in High River? Is that uh, how everything kind of transpired? For sure it did. Uh, the, the weather changed very suddenly, so we have to go back to that for just a minute. Uh, for 48 hours ahead of time, we had very unseasonably warm weather in June, and there was still a pretty heavy snowpack in the mountains. Um, and we had 
rains uh, that made some of us wonder if we should be building boats or not that came down in that time frame. Uh, and th the effect of that was that all of this snow in the mountains was getting rained upon and many, many years of detritus and, and fallen branches and leaves and, and what have you up in the mountains that was gathering in these little uh, ephemerals, uh, these little small valleys where water wouldn't normally flow, all of a sudden started flowing and this great big torrent and rush of water came down with this uh, big mass of um, lumber and everything else that uh, a flood might carry along with it and it came down at such a ferocious pace because it almost uh, broke loose in the mountains that it caught many many people unaware uh, the water came up uh, in downtown high river in a matter of 12 minutes from the point at which it uh, it overran the bank now how do you prepare for an event like that you have 12 minutes to identify that this is a significant event. Uh, waterways are starting to wash out. I would presume that roadways that you normally would use are no longer functioning. In that short period of time, you had to very quickly navigate the community and try to set up infrastructure so that you could communicate. Uh, as a ham, what what was your, your first uh, roller? What, what did you have to do uh, to get things up and running? At 10.30 in the morning, I placed a call to uh, High River town into the EOC and and I reminded them we were available to serve if needed and, and the message came back that everything was good. At 10.50 a.m. they evacuated the hall because the water overran the banks. Um, we received a call at uh, 1.30 in the afternoon through uh, the Edmonton uh, Provincial Operations Center from the Alberta Emergency Management Agency saying we have lost contact with High River, please deploy. And so that began uh, my quest to get into the town of High River, uh, which took three hours, and it's a 20-minute trip from my home normally. So three hours to leave my job in the city, uh, get home, grab my gear, and uh, get out the door again. Uh, maybe an hour on a good day it took three times as long because of all of the road closures. Of course, I met with RCMP checkpoints at the highway, uh, wondering why I want to go into an area that's under mandatory evacuation, and with a few uh, quick radio calls on their system up to Edmonton. I was granted access and able to bring my gear in and get set up. Uh, it was very much flying by the seat of our pants as the first 24 hours in any disaster tends to be. I find it interesting when you, when you think of that concept of the EOC in the, the capital region is no longer able to communicate where the disaster site is. There must have been an element of mobile of a significant panic uh, from their perspective and usually when you think of hams we're the last phone call we're as the podcast says we're the last wire standing we're the the group that's out there uh when everything else has failed so there must have been an element of pure panic of what's going on in high river how bad is it well, i'm sure there was um the, the orders that i got were to get deployed and get a crew um and when I arrived, I, I was told to, to look for a certain individual who was a staff member of the AEMA. And I walked in and I identified him by his uniform. And I said, I'm your ham radio operator. And uh, I'm here because Edmonton can't get a hold of you right now. Um, and he looked at me and he, and he said, well, you're here for the uh, EOC commander. And I said, no, sir, I am 
definitely here for you. They need to hear from you right away because they've not been able to reach you for several hours. Um, and, and he looked a little sheepish when he saw this, the sat phone sitting on the table. It became a, a point of training later on to say sat phones don't sit on tables in the middle of rooms. They sit in, at least in the windowsill where they have a half a chance to catch the satellite. Um, there was, I'm sure, quite a moment of concern by his coworkers in Edmonton that he couldn't be reached. Yeah, no, that that certainly a, a, would be a bone of contention. And and just understanding how the technology works in a disaster environment, you're. So I, I'm empathetic towards that person because you have a whole lot of a lot of issues you're dealing with, and communication would be a, one of those things you want to have set up, but you don't really check it to make sure it's still working or that you have connectivity and it, it, it would be a last last thought. Yeah, for sure. And, and today that's absolutely a part of the training program. Uh, the AEMA rep uh, had been on site already for 24 hours because they had anticipated with this kind of a, a rain load, a uh, moisture load that they would be having problems. Nobody in their wildest dreams, of course, imagined it would be like this. There have been floods in High River before. I was there in 2000 and five uh, with floods and I was again a month later in downtown Calgary and there was uh, by contrast a little bit of water. Um, there was so much water coming over in 2013 through the town of High River. It was more than the flow of Niagara Falls during spring runoff. And if any of you have stood on the shores of Niagara Falls or at the shore of Niagara Falls as I have, um, you're fascinated with this eight foot tall uh, wall of water going over the top of the rocks and down below. That's certainly a significant amount of water. And when I, I think of that volume in 12 minutes, that would be nerve wracking. So you're now at the emergency center. You've established communication. What type of technology were you using? How did you uh, maintain uh, connectivity? Uh, two meter FM analog is uh, what we used. We quickly uh, triaged what we had to work with. Uh, we were in the backup EOC center because primary EOC was flooded out, town hall. Uh, I was in a facility I'd never set foot in before. Um, so, uh, you know, typical uh, drop ceilings with a metal T-bar roof um, make for great ground planes for mag mounts when you stick them upside down on the ceiling. And, uh, and we found some power and we found ourselves a little corner of the room with a whiteboard and we began to set up our gear. Uh, we were on the air within minutes of uh, landing at the site and we had established communications on provincial uh, amateur backbone uh, all the way back up through to Edmonton. Now for a situation like this where the community has been evacuated, what type of messages were you transferring to the uh, to the EC ECO, uh, what were you trying to, what was the communication backbone like? The, the EOC's responsibility and any government's responsibility is to ensure that the town is getting the support or the impacted area, I should say, is getting the support that it needs. Uh, the traffic that we were handling was at two or three different levels. We had um, mission one was to surround the town and, and give them a, a net of communications. Mission two was to ensure the hospital in the middle of the flood zone uh, could retain its communication back to Alberta Health Services. Um, and mission three, of course, was to uh, ensure that uh, that the provincial capital in Edmonton uh, still understood what the, the situation was. 
so we had we were running three or four different frequencies and concurrent nets uh, to pass that traffic. In the case of the town traffic, it was a matter of logistics. Do we have ample food uh, and supplies for the evacuation centers that were uh, set up rather hastily? In the case of the provincial traffic, it was uh, every four hours, let's make sure that the situation report um, is getting through. Can we uh, put a cell phone in the hands of the, uh, the emergency commander uh, to make sure that his uh, message is getting out? I said earlier that TELUS cell phones had failed um, and very few people at that time were on Rogers cell phones and they stayed up and running because of independent infrastructure. So we, we made sure that uh, EC was aware that Edmonton was looking for information from them um, and that they could hold their meetings and uh, get the information required. Now looking back on this event, what did we learn about this disaster and what lessons uh what do we put in our go kits now that we didn't put in in 2013 in 2013 i didn't have a go kit i'm i'm embarrassed to say that i do now um and it's uh and it's chock full of all those things that uh, i've learned over the years that i need in terms of a radio go kit uh the biggest single lesson that we learned is um, the ics methodology teaches us that we take our resources and we stage them in a certain location. We take our, our construction tractors that we, we might need to, to clear a, a roadway of debris and we put them in a parking lot outside of the affected area and we deploy them as needed. And radio amateurs don't have a spot that we stand. Our, our place to stand is on a frequency and that's our staging area. And so we stage on that frequency and we get ready to deploy into whatever our assignment is at that time. The best, single best thing that we did uh, during all of this uh, was we made sure that net control uh, for the local traffic uh, surrounding the High River area was not at the EOC. Uh, there were 55 people crammed into a room that was meant for 20 uh, because it was a backup facility. Uh, the noise, um, the, uh, the lack of air conditioning, all of these things uh, meant it was, frankly, a pretty miserable place to be. And we uh, off-sited our net control complete with their own independent crew on independent power uh, some 20 kilometers away. They had line of sight simplex to us if they needed it. Uh, and that was the, uh, the single most brilliant thing that we did was uh, effectively, if you will, uh, we outsourced net control away from the EOC and took the concern of managing uh, resources and assignments and we gave it off to a separate team entirely, a team of seven uh, that kept uh, the 55 of us going. That's pretty impressive. Uh, was this part of your plan initially or was it something that evolved when uh, you arrived on site? Is something that you set up on the fly? The whole thing evolved as it went. Um, I had been on site at High River uh, for under two hours when the floodwaters kept coming up and we evacuated the secondary EOC and we drove an hour because of road closures down to a neighboring town that had a mutual aid agreement and we set up in their fire hall. Um, many of the plans we were making in the first 12 hours were absolutely off the cuff. Um, 
just working with what we knew we had to work with and developing plans on the fly. I remember uh, working with, uh, with my partner, uh, Scott, uh, VA6 Oscar Charlie, and uh, I'm giving him direction as I'm trying to turn left in heavy traffic to follow the RCMP to get to a place that I didn't know we were going. Uh, here I am trying to turn left and I'm like, Scott, you got to set up a net control because uh, we're a little busy around here and here's how you set up a net control and here's all the elements you'll need. And Scott's a natural leader on his own and took care of it. That's impressive. Uh, driving through a disaster zone, uh, coaching someone on how to uh, manage a net, um, that in itself is uh, pretty impressive. It, it, was, uh, it was quite the day. <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, you know what, Vince? I really appreciate taking the time to talk about this event. It certainly was a learning opportunity. High River is, is certainly a place that deals with high water a lot uh, throughout history, but this event was certainly significant, and I think as a ham operator, the community learned a lot about how to manage, how to uh, reevaluate the situation, and then redeploy as needed. Yeah, indeed we did, and uh, we continue to learn from it. Uh, our infrastructure is much more resilient in that area now. Uh, repeaters have been uh, stood up, uh, digipeaters, uh, windlink gateways, uh, all of this infrastructure is now sitting in High River Hospital on generator backed up and battery backed up power. Uh, we're in a much better position today than we were in 2013 to handle, sadly, the next event. Very true. Great for our show, though. We love hearing about these events, and we love hearing from hams around the world about uh, things they're dealing with. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and I look forward to talking to you again. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for asking, John. Nice to meet you.